0: So, Daddy, if you could answer, do you have any special way that over the years you have resolved, uh, biblically resolved conflict resolution? Uh,
1: Yes, I would say that changes at different seasons in your life, but early in the day we could see that we needed to do something better than what we were doing with conflict resolution. And it kind of reminds me of a tennis match, I guess, when uh, people get into conflict, somebody says something and It has a little bit of an edge on it, and then the other person has the option of slamming it back or letting it go by and kind of diffusing the situation. So most of the time I was a slam it back, say something else, with a little more edge on it, and then you can really get into some volleys there that are not going to be working out well. So one of the things that played an important role in that was a matter of prayer. And what we decided to do at one point is if anything came up that we had a difference of opinion on, we would stop, we would pray. And we had these little three by five cards, and then five by seven cards, we needed large ones. We had them all over the place. And after we prayed, I would write down my opinion of whatever the, had been said or the conflict, and Vaughn would write down her opinion. And then we would swap cards, and we would pray Again. And you say, well, that takes a lot of time. That's a lot of praying. But you can take a lot of time arguing with each other and carrying a grudge for the rest of the weekend. So then I would read her card. She would read my card. And then we would pray the third time. Lord, help me to understand. Do I understand? Then I would talk with her. Do I understand your saying of us and so? And then uh, we would have something to hold, a little cross or whatever. And as long as I had the cross, that meant I had the microphone. And I could talk without being interrupted, and then I would give her the cross, and she could talk uh, without uh, being interrupted. And we didn't do that for a long, long time, years and years, but it helped us to calm down and be patient and know that I don't have to just prove my point right here just by turning up the intensity and the volume. And um, there's a lot more to be said about that, but let me, um, let me give you a verse that would be the... Uh, basis for that. Here is um, Christ said when he was reviled he did not revile in return. When he suffered he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And then uh, a little bit later it says um, to sum it all up, be harmonious sympathetic, brotherly kind-hearted, humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil. There's the problem. Or insult for insult. But giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Now, amazingly, in the scripture, right in between those two verses that I read would be wives, be submissive to your own husbands, and husbands, live with your wives in an, in an understanding way.
0: This, this so, is First Peter 3. Yes, by the way, that, that 3. really,
1: really helped us. And I think you just need to sit down and, and do whatever you need to do. And then later on, if you don't need to do that anymore, that's fine. Maybe you've learned to apply the fruit of the Spirit.
0: Excellent. Oh, Mother.
2: Oh, okay. In Ephesians 4, it says, Be angry and sin not, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, because if you do, you will give the devil a foothold. And so God taught me very early in our marriage, I better not go to bed mad. <laughs> I better, let's just work through this. And it was wonderful. Because, and and this was, this truly encouraged me. Bob would listen to me if it took all night. And that truly showed me he loved me and that really blessed me. And so I, I realized the poison of going to bed angry because Satan will be able to get a stronghold. And so we would talk it through. And I think we as women, we love for our husbands to listen it, we don't even sometimes care if we win the argument. If they'll listen and and say, well, yes, let me pray about it. So I think it's prayer. And then also for the man, for as Bob has done for so many years, almost 50 years now, that he would listen to me.
0: Ladies. Looking back on the busy years of child training, what would you say to young mothers who are in the middle of those years as it specifically pertains to keeping your relationship with the Lord strong and keeping your relationship with your husband strong? Mrs. Park, why don't we start with you on the far side there?
3: Well, it's been a while since I've had little children, but um, I know how consuming that can be, both physically and emotionally. And I think it's easy for us mothers to be so focused on our children that they become, they can easily become the most important. And so I think we have to remember that our relationship with the Lord is first and we can't let that slip. We can't give so much to our children that we don't give our time and, and establish, continue establishing that relationship with the Lord and then that our husbands are to come after the Lord um, I, I think it's, it's easy for us to put the needs of our children above the needs of our husband but if we remember that that is not biblical then I think that's helpful and then if, as the children come third I think it's it's um, reassuring to them because, as someone once said, the best thing you can do for your children is to love their father or their mother. So I think um, remembering that priority is, is very helpful.
4: That is a tough season, and I do remember that. Uh, stage and just the struggle that it was to keep my priorities um, on my relationship with the Lord and my husband and a few just practical things that helped me with that was um, you spend a lot of time nursing during those years so I would just always try to utilize that time I would keep a Bible and a couple of, of good edifying books right there where I nursed and every time I nursed that gave me lots and lots of time to to read and, and feed on the word and feed on other good books. Um, also, for me, uh, nap time was very, very key. And even after they outgrew nap time, it became quiet time. I didn't care what they did. <laughs> as long as they stayed on their bed and they were quiet. And uh, they rested. I th- thought it was good for them and I knew it was good for me. And that enabled me to have um, at least one quiet hour in the afternoon to recharge have my quiet time if I didn't get it done that morning, if the kids beat me up or woke up soon after, um, and again, to read those books that uh, refreshed me and refocused my mind on biblical priorities. So um, that was a real key thing for me. I don't, we had that for years and years. Um, I, I still, you know, even when they were older, we, I would often have just that quiet time in the afternoon. Um, they didn't have to stay in their bed anymore at that point. <laughs> but they did for a long, long time. And, and they knew that they could read or they could maybe play with a quiet toy. But that was very important um, for my spiritual life. And uh, we all benefited from it. Um, as far as relationship with husband, I think my encouragement would be to be um, disciplined and put your... Or one thing, anyway, is to put your children to bed early, um, not too late. And... To give your husband and you time together at the end of the day, Um, and early depends on the situation, when dad gets home from work and all that, but um, to prioritize that marriage relationship so you do have time together, that was very very helpful to me, to have time with Paul. At the end of the day, we would put the kids to bed. It would just be a time to be able to talk together. Often we would um, be reading a book together. We listened to um, some messages together and discussed them, and that really fulfilled my need for adult conversation as well as just kept us close and um, giving priority time to our relationship. So those are just a few things.
2: I remember when Lucy was three days old and a dear friend encouraged me. She could tell that I was overwhelmed and tired and had three, two babies in diapers and four children. And she said, oh, I just want to share with you this personal devotional. And she challenged me to begin spending time with God in a just a beautiful way. And so I started that. And I began to spend time with the Lord. Sometimes it would be just 15 minutes. Sometimes it would be 30 minutes. But... God would give me the grace and the strength that I would need to make it through the day. And then in Matthew 22, we're told Jesus said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so for me, it was priorities. God was my number one priority. Spend time with the Lord. Get to know him. And then after him, it was Bob. And learn how to cook the kind of food he liked and learn how to cook, period. (laughs) And, And just, when he would come home from teaching at the Christian school... We would go and we would spend just about 15 minutes together right after we got home before supper. But he was my second priority after God. And then third would be my children. And so they, I wanted them to know that after God and Bob, they were more important than anybody. More important. And then your fourth priority, some godly older woman taught, would be other people. And so they, my children, my husband would have first priority over even other people for many, many years, many, many years when my children were young. And I am so grateful. So mothers, enjoy every minute that you have with those precious children and with your precious husband.
1: Go ahead, Can I say a word to that? Uh, it might sound like um, we would be saying that there are these neat little categories and now it's your time and so now it's the children's time and uh, Von and I might be sitting at talking and some guy gets stung by a hornet and comes running in the house just yelling his head off and so these things aren't always little neat categories you just have to kind of work toward the ideal but live as the need demands
0: sure okay um, I'm going to have uh... The husbands and the men, if you guys can answer this. This is a long question, so I'm going to try to set this up. Um, hypothetical, unfortunately all too true probably in today's world, is the Christian father or husband, who is for some reason or another not actively leading his family on a consistent basis in family worship, uh, or not seeking to lead his wife spiritually as he should. The wife is longing for this, starving for this, has communicated the desire to her husband for this, And I'm going to ask the question, uh, the question is really threefold. First of all, how men, how would you encourage and charge this man to do what he's required to do? That's the first question. How would you encourage and charge this man? Second part of the question would be, can you explain the biblical responsibility the wife should play here? So the, the, the husband's not doing it, the wife really wants it. What's, what her What should she do in this? so let's charge the man, explain the relationship that the wife should have, and then, uh, as you answer those, I have a third third one to tag on there, but won 't stack too much. Paul, you want to start
5: um, let 's talk about the man first. Um, some men don't do this because. They don't have a picture of it. They never saw it in their own home. So it really depends what kind of spirit we're doing this in. Is it just I really don't know what to do? I'm overwhelmed with my work and everything else that's going on. I have the priority. If that's the case, then I would come alongside him and just show him some simple scriptures and really show him a very simple way to gather his family, to read the word, to pray. and They could do that at dinner time. Where they just finish up the dinner or at the beginning of dinner, read a passage of scripture, make a few comments about it, praise the family, and just, I think a lot of times people get family worship so uh, complicated that the average man is like, wow, I can never do that. Are you preaching a message like Calvin at at your dinner table? What are you doing here? And so keeping it simple for him and then being willing to come alongside him and give him some resources and to spend time with him and walk along with him in that process for the lady if now if he's just i'm not going to do this this is i don't care to do this there's no value here well now you have an issue of does this man even know christ and so you have to go down that road of the gospel and what god's called him to do for the for the lady it depends how she handles it she doesn't need to become the head of the house and usurp the authority that's there we see that in first peter three that she takes her role she submits to her husband and she doesn't nag him into conformity but there's another place where she can um in a role of appeal come to him and maybe if he needs some help provide some provide some tools for him help assist him in that help Prepare the house in a way where it makes it an orderly transition when he gets home.
0: So there's a lot of communication
5: there then. A lot of communication going back and forth. And then to the wife, um, I understand the situation where she's longing for this, but her, her, her hope has to be in Christ. And Christ is all she needs. She obviously needs a husband who will lead, but if that's not the case, the, the woman in, in 1 Peter 3, her fountain was Christ. Her strength was Christ. And there's other ladies who can come alongside and encourage her. But what she doesn't need to do is tell all of her friends that her husband's not leaving the family and how she's longing for this. Yeah. And then go home and nag her husband. Because what that will do, if he ever had an inkling that he wanted to leave his family, no more. He won't do it then, because if he does, he's under her authority, because she's now given him the command to do it, and for him to obey it, he must now get up under her to do that. Yep.
0: Yeah.
6: Well, for me, it's uh, I've tried to find out first of all if the man's really interested. Uh, a lot of men today really aren't interested in in doing this. It's uh, it cost. You know, Christ paid a price for us. He paid the ultimate price, and. And and so everything is free that he did for us. But if we're going to follow him, it costs us. And uh, I just find that a lot of men, if I sit down with a man and they're having trouble, I will ask him if he's willing to pay any price to keep his marriage together. And if he's not really willing to do that, I don't really think I can help him. Uh, If he is interested, I do, like Paul, I'll, I'll meet with him, get together with him. and I'll talk about that some tonight in my talk, some of the examples, but... As I find out where his uh, problems are, you know, we'll talk about them scripturally. We'll look at, uh, try to get rid of secret sins, try to get rid of anything that is keeping him from an intimate relationship with Christ. And then explaining some of the basic principles of just loving your wife, you know, how to do that and taking responsibility. I had a guy um, that had five children and he, uh, neither he nor his wife, really wanted to... Uh, take the time with these children. And I told him one day of his responsibility before God because he said he was really interested in growing as a Christian. And I explained to him his responsibility to teach these young children and Christ-like principles and, and some of the things that uh, I had learned. And, and he just was blown away. He said, I didn't know that. I didn't know I had that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I think just uh, finding out, first of all, you've got to have a heart for it. You know, when I went to Bob. Counsel. Nobody made me. Nobody paid me. It was just something God put on my heart. And so uh, I think that's finding out, first of all, you know, where the heart is. You can't make anybody do that. And then the, the ladies, I think, just encouraging them to allow the husband to benefit from the grace God's given them. Because if they truly know the Lord and are walking with him in a close way, the husband's going to see it. And it's just a lot different than just religious talk. You know, they're going to see that. They're going to see humility. They're going to see a Christ-likeness there. I think it's the most powerful testimony, as Paul said, not to nag them or put all the books in front of them to read and talk about them in front of their friends and stuff. But just let them see Christ in your life. I told my children, I used to tell my children, if you go on the youth trips, that's great. Because when you come back, they paint a house and they serve the people and it's great things to do. And they'll bring you up to the stage and they'll celebrate your greatness. But I said, you know, if you really know Christ, I said, do this in the home, too. Don't just go have a great time on a mission trip. Let's see it in the home. See it with your brothers and sisters. And so, anyway, that's kind of.
0: Bob, any thoughts? Yes.
1: Yes. Shep was speaking. I was just looking at this verse that says. Uh, at least submissive to your own husbands so that if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. I would say exactly the same thing. I would ask a man if he is uh, desperate, uh, desperate to uh, become the man God wants him to be and to lead his family because if a man doesn't really have a heart for it, he's probably not going to consistently change. And I would add one thing to what um, Paul and Shep said. Uh, I've made this recommendation many times, and most of you have probably heard it, but there is a resource called the Children's Ministry Resource Bible, and you can get a hardback copy of that pretty inexpensively, but it's an amazing book. It is uh, edited by Child Evangelism Fellowship. And it has all the major stories of the Bible outlined with questions, and you've got the Bible right on one page of the text, and the questions and the outline and uh, a dad can really use that to advantage without a lot of preparation. So it's an excellent uh, resource for dads to use, children's ministry resource Bible, that's
0: called. I, and I just want to comment that I think um, for the ladies, there's a lot of uh, men. I think the responsibility lies upon us, too, that um these men we're talking about was a guy who does not want to lead and somehow us as leaders know that he doesn't want to lead. But a lot of times we don't know that a man isn't leaning and doesn't want to lead. And that, is, I think, re- re- puts a responsibility on us that we need to have strong relationships with men in our church. We need to be investing in those relationships so that we can ask them, hey, how are you doing with leading your wife? How are you doing with washing in the word? Um, and Being able to uncover, ooh, there's, there's issues here that I would have never known about unless I took the... Look, took the time to ask that question which leads me into my third one which i was going to say so you, we know men that's required we're, we're supposed to wash our wives in the water of the word um, but how have you done that what's that kind of practice look like quickly as you pass through the seasons of life you've got the newly married and then you've got the young children and the teenage children adult children what's that sort of look like in a practical way and how you nurtured her in the faith daddy you want to start
1: Yes, I think it uh, changes as time goes along. There would be times when Yvonne and I would be doing a Bible study, Then there would be other times when I would be preparing for some Bible lesson and she would be preparing to teach some ladies, and we would be discussing those things. There would be times we would be memorizing Scripture together, and then I think the, the undergirding of all of that would be to consistently pray together. Occasionally we might be reading some devotional book, Uh, We listened, as Laurie said, to a lot of messages and presentations, so there'd just be a variety of things, sometimes in the car, sometimes in the evening, try to have a consistent time together, but uh, I I like to use what the Lord sends my way, and uh, I run into some pretty good things along the way, and it might be a consistent thing for a period of time, maybe a year, and then shift to something else, because we all like variety, and especially children-like variety in a family devotion time. So it takes a different flavor as you go along.
0: Do you guys have any thoughts you want to add to that?
5: Yeah, we would. um, Obviously, I think the curse key for a man is to make sure his wife's under the preaching of the word. Uh, Sometimes we kind of have a cavalier spirit toward the church, kind of take it or leave it. So that's a a great way just to wash your wife in the Word, is to have her under the preaching of the Word. We would listen to messages together. We would would read through books together. Um, And a lot of times, uh, as a family, when we finish hearing a sermon, wherever we're at, we would talk about it on the way home, just taking it deeper and applying it in those situations. Um, And then there would be times where um, I did for quite a while uh, I would give my wife, like, a Monday evening off. So I'd take all the kids to McDonald's. We'd go to the playground section. And she would have the whole evening to read the Word, to have some time that's was quiet. Uh, it didn't minister to me as much. I love my kids. <laughs> uh, but the Happy Meal wasn't quite up to par. So, But giving your wife opportunity for those things... Sending her to places where she can also hear the word, as well as your own teaching of the word, is important.
0: Any thoughts,
6: I think a lot of times when we are in bed, you know, sometimes read to Beverly, and we'll talk about uh, whatever she's reading or what I'm reading. But something I think that's really been encouraging to me and trying to encourage her is asking her every now and then, you know, which passage. She, taken. she has a tendency sometimes to be a little anxious, as we all do. And so I'll look at her and I'll say, which, which path are you going down? And she'll say, well, I'm trying to fight the good fight. <laughs> I'm trying to go down the right path. So we, we talk also about our marriage. We'll talk sometimes and say, what do we think, you know, about our marriage? What do we really think God thinks about our marriage? You know, this picture that um, people are... Observing and God certainly observing. And I think just talking about that has just been a real helpful thing. And then memorizing little pockets of Scripture that we meditate on and encouraging each other in that way.
0: Good. Um, switching to a, I want to get through two things here and then move to some relationship stuff, but relationship with your children. Um, communication is obviously a huge issue in marriage. Uh, as it is with any relationship and there's there's different areas one of them I want to focus on is finances and, and either lady or man husband or wife here feel free to chime in if you have any how, how did you how have you gr- sought to grow and strengthen the communication and specifically for finances how did you all get on the same page um, budget spending uh, tithing giving saving all that stuff how did you all walk through communicating some of those things. Finances is one of the top three things, split marriages. So how did you all communicate on these things? It's a free for all. Shall I begin? Sure.
1: Well, one of the marriage success factors we'll talk about after lunch is a similarity of family background. And Vaughn came from a family who were givers. And I came from a family who were givers. And uh, not just 10%, but uh, well over 10% in your time and your hospitality and all those kinds of things. That's how we grew up. So that made a big difference. When we were married, uh, we were givers. And God says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And he's not kidding about that. So God provided for us in many unusual ways. Uh, Bond would be able to tell you all the ways. But we did live by a budget and we lived by our percentages because we didn't make a lot of money teaching school in that uh, day. And so we would have the certain percentage of giving and then a certain percentage of permanent savings and a certain percentage to spend. And uh, then we kind of figured those things out and uh, lived pretty strictly by a budget. And that was just what we had and what God had provided. So I think a big factor in that would be learning contentment, uh, which we had learned in our homes growing up.
0: Okay, next one. Um, Yen, either ladies or men, girls are to be given in marriage, young men are to be sent out. How would you encourage other couples with young people of marriageable age to interact with their older children? As they wait or seek a spouse. So, um, other than daddy and mother, everyone, Paul and Shep, you all have daughters or sons of marriageable age. And that's a different season. How do you interact with them at this point and talk through these things and keep their heart? But being able to flesh out what's going on and yet also realize that they're adults and there's a difference now. They're not little children. Paul Chef, you all want address that
5: you know, I think um, when you get to that stage, number <clears throat> one, it's a shock how quick you get to that stage. You've just got your children trained and they're running the house, and you just sit back having a glass of tea, you know your feet propped up, uh, just joking, but <laughs> you don't want them to leave. you know, I think for girls we need to constantly help them focus on christ and to be preparing themselves in all the ways that god's called them to prepare themselves spiritually with skills and um, just in their relationship with uh, brothers and sisters in christ to that age uh, to have appropriate conversations and to feel free to have conversations that are appropriate as brothers and sisters in christ know sometimes there's a, a tendency to restrict those kind of conversations and so we have Felt that it it's important that they still relate with people who might be potential, potential suitors, but treat them as brothers and sisters in Christ. We help them try to walk that line and be appropriate in those kind of conversations and really have them put their hope not in some potential suitor out here, but in Christ and knowing that Christ will provide and then to live singly as to the Lord according to 1 Corinthians 7. This is a wonderful time to really be committed to Christ, mm-hmm. to really go all out in ministry, mm-hmm. and your job is not to sit on the bench and pine away mm-hmm. waiting for Mr. Wright to show up. On the other hand, with young men, we're trying to you know, help them think about uh, establishing themselves, making provision, uh, and working on all the issues in their life that they need to, to deal with and uh, grow in and and just helping them understand... Um, the same thing, they have to wait for the Lord even though they're they're going to be the initiator uh, they need to be thoughtful and prayerful in those things so it's really just helping them to um, understand those things so now in this season there's lots of conversations and lots of discussion and lots of time to need to talk um, as they think through all these issues so it's a great time but it's it's a different time than diapers and, and those kind of things
0: uh, Lori or uh, Beverly, do you all want to speak to how you address your sons now as older men, older young men, pursuing marriage? How do you encourage him and walk with him in that, not in a mothering line of thing, but that line, wherever it is? That was difficult, so, isn't
3: it? Yeah. <laughs> Well it, it it definitely is different and I um I do I do tend to as Shep said, I I tend toward anxiety that I try to give to the Lord and worrying about my children particularly I, I think. So that that just in that is a, a responsibility for me to give it over to the Lord instead of trying to direct all their steps. They are, um, one of our sons lives in another town about an hour and a half away and working. The other one is um, in school, in law school. So we're not with them all the time. Um, and I have to be careful not to to be a nagger and what, you know, what are you doing about this? What are you doing? Which is, is my tendency. Um, but to realize that they are young men now and they are thinking um, through these things with relationships for themselves, I, I think they always can use our input and welcome it if it's done in the right way. So that's, that's a challenge for me to do it in the right way. Um, I. Um, I think as they, just encouraging them in what they're looking for in a young woman. Um, all young men want want someone that they find attractive, that they think is pretty, beautiful. But to look at the heart, too, which I think is revealed by words and actions. Um, so... Yeah, that that's, that's, can be tricky. I think it's easier for me with my daughter. Two women can relate easily, but without... Um, and I guess, too, then trying to model, not perfectly, but trying to model to some extent for them what, um, in the way I respond to Shep and submit to him and try to be a helper to him, um, what what I would want them to look for. And hopefully, I'm sure they will exceed me by a long shot. But, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I'm da- thinking as I talk. <laughs>
0: Daddy and Mother, you all are the only ones who have married children. And Lucy, Lord gave Lucy a, a little bit of a weight. Uh, I was happy to part her of that. But how did you... Um, how was mark how, how many years had Mark been married before Lucy was married Sharon? how many years was Mark were you and Mark married four five or six okay so five or six years Lucy's the only child in the house there 's three older brothers that all have all been married. How did you all kind of walk through that change in especially mark? youngest son and Lucy were close. How do you kind of walk through that change? If you can give kind of just a brief exhortation to some of these, especially larger families, there's going to be a, a pretty drastic change with older son or older daughter getting married, yet we have still some very young ones in the home. That obviously wasn't as much the case for Lucy. They were closer in age both adults. But how do you kind of walk through that change with them?
1: Well, I'll try to make this very brief, but when Lucy was 19 years old, I took her out to a birthday dinner, just Lucy and myself. And she said, well, Daddy, I don't think I want to be married right now. And I said, well, that's that's great. Why don't you just invest your life in ministry? And if anything comes on the scene, the Lord will certainly let us know. And then we can, uh, from year to year, we can just see what the Lord is doing and uh, see the direction in which He would take us. So God gave Lucy and myself the opportunity to minister for some years in an intercity city school in Birmingham, Alabama. Most of the children didn't have dads and it was kind of an interesting uh, ministry opportunity, but that meant that uh, we'd take a- off from our home in the country early in the morning and go in and teach at the school and then Lucy would teach some music lessons and I would do some counseling study or whatever, but we basically had that day together and we would have a picnic lunch together And that was really a good thing because Lucy and I became pretty close. And we prayed a good bit together. So as uh, Mark was married in those uh, later years that were a little bit more challenging because you always wonder, uh, well, why why am I not married or what's what's the Lord doing here? But we had such a close relationship and Lucy had such uh, great trust in the Lord that she was uh, perfectly willing to wait for you to grow up. (laughs)
0: I've actually found journals that Lucy was journaling when I was like before I was born she started journaling really early Um, okay staying with that we thought a little bit Bob Daddy you're the only one obviously married daughter Shep and Paul both of you have daughters of marriageable age how have you all handled young men in your home that are around your girls uh, Daddy, you can certainly address this as well around your girls and are potential that are potential suitors, but you do so with an eye at protecting your daughter's hearts yet allowing relationships to form as the Lord wills. And at the same time, you're also evaluating these young men. So, question being, how do you how do you handle those young guys in an appropriate manner and yet are also you're communicating with your daughter? And maybe you can touch on a little bit sort of there's certainly some biblical principles what you're looking for in a man, but are there some other things you're looking for for as candidacy, such so as finances, job, things of that nature? Shepard, Paul, you want to start with that one? Well, well
6: you know, we, uh, Emily does a lot. I guess we have a different situation. Emily does a lot of, yeah, she's 28. She, she does a lot of, uh, they have big groups, you know, friends, boys and girls. And uh, Bob gave me some good advice early on. And so I started dating Emily when she was young. And I would talk to her about how that, as she gets older, she's going to probably see some uh, pathways she's going to want to go down that are going to look real fun and real encouraging and enticing. But I said, you know, there may be other pathways that will be better for you. And so I said, sometimes I'm going to probably say, you should probably go down one of those other ones when all your friends are going this other way. And so I tried to sell her on that really early on. And uh, she told us when she was probably 10, she'd read some little article or magazine of, of, of proms and dating. And she said, Dad, I, I'm going to really need y'all's help when I'm married because, she said, I think a man could trick me. <laughs> and uh, so we've kind of gotten really close over the years praying together and talking together and she's very she has told us she said unless she said i don't care how much i love the guy if you don't love him mom doesn't love him and my brothers don't want to be around him i don't care who he is i will not marry him and emily's been pretty strong with those commitments she's uh she's just kind of very very interested in listening to what we have to say and so if anyone shows an interest at all She may be interested, but she just doesn't seem to want to be interested unless she has our approval. So I try to be real careful there, too, because I don't want to make all the calls for her. I I want to be around for her and help her. But I think just the encouragement from early on has, has made a big impact in her life. And so she's very, very sensitive. She'll want me to meet anybody that might even show an interest of any kind in her if she's interested
5: herself. So...
0: Paul, so in your home, how do you do this? How do you handle these young guys?
5: i show them my shotgun.
3: <laughs> what do you show
5: them my shotgun. Yeah. my M4. I, I can reach out and touch you long distance if I need to. <laughs> you know, we we want our home and our children around everyone and helping them to build relationships. And so we're always having conversations about, you know appropriate responses and relationships. And a lot of what Shep said, I think, has been bore out in our own own home, that our children uh, have grown to trust us over the years by God's grace. And so we have a lot of influence uh, over them as far as helping them avoid uh, paths you don't want to go down and helping them to constantly keep their focus where it needs to be. Um, And so we try to the young men we try to get to know them and i think in the home is a great place to get to know young men or in groups uh, because you get a chance to see them in a situation and and more you see them the more you understand their character and what's going on there Uh, we love getting together as families and just understand the family context that goes with that and you know what are we looking for in a young man Uh, a man who knows christ and who really has a passion to follow him and a passion to serve in his kingdom, uh, and who's willing to deny himself and be others-focused. And we see that a lot in ministry, or we don't. Um, and one who has control. So those are just some of the qualities. And we're try- and from early on, we've tried to help our girls identify what those qualities need to be. As the- and obviously... Um, I think his chef or his wife said, you know, obviously there's a desire to have someone you're attracted to. We're not negating that. Song of Solomon definitely wasn't negating that. But we have to get below the surface and really see who they are as a person. What's their commitment to the local body? Are they somebody who's committed to the local body or do they just kind of float in and out? And so, um, so we're, I think that's... Any other thoughts?
4: Um, as far as helping them get to know people but yet protecting their hearts which is always a danger with daughters um i think the biblical principles we try to um, be our guideline and teach them is is as paul said earlier to um treat each other as brothers and sisters in christ that's the guideline for and you evaluate everything by that and um that doesn't mean obviously being flirtatious it doesn't mean um crossing those lines it beyond brotherly and sisterly relationship it also doesn't mean that you ignore them and that you don't have any conversation young people need to get to know each other the young men can never there will never be godly marriages a <laughs> result if we don't let them talk at all in, in our view so um it means they do interact but and they do do activities together but it's keeping out on a brotherly sisterly level and to do that really you have to talk 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 to your to your daughters, and um, have much conversation. Try to have a relationship with them where they can reveal their struggles to you when they're having struggles, um, where they feel like they can do that safely. And um, and then when when they are struggling with that, um, we talk about Philippians four eight, um, where it says, "Whatever is true, whatever is honorable." and just pure, lovely, all of that. Think on these things. When We focus in on the true. What is true and real right now in your relationship? Uh, it's that they're brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's as far as you're able to go. Um, and you don't think ahead to the what ifs and the, um, you know, what if he's, he's the one for me, or is he, or is he not? Um, and we talk about that we can control our thoughts. We can um, have self-control in that area because God commands us to take every thought captive to Christ. And so he doesn't give us command that we can't do. So we just talk about those things. We can't force them to do that and to guard their hearts, but we can encourage them, pray with them, um, keep them accountable. And, um, you know, if need be, there might be situations where you just need to remove that temptation for a while till they get control. But um, I think communication is, is huge. They, They have to feel like they can share their heart and share their struggles with you. So you can get it on the early, early end.
1: I'll yeah, so just a quick word about that. I think to the young people, the real danger is premature emotional bonding. And that's where you're getting to know somebody, but all of a sudden there's the romance uh, comes to the fore, and you really don't know that person very well. But if you're emotionally bonded, all those questions go right out the window because the emotions are so powerful that you're not worried about the answer to those questions. So in the process... Uh, You need the help of parents, you need the help of others to get to know a young man, a young lady, get to know the family, and not to be on uh, such a fast track to get the emotional fires burning. Because once that begins, if you're not prepared for marriage at that time, then you've got a problem there. So that's a danger to look out for, premature emotional bonding.
0: Okay. Yes. Go ahead, Mother.
2: I'll just share just a little bit about we just prayed, God, would you show Lucy some people she can minister to or just to pour your life into? And when we moved here to Texas, God was so gracious because when we went up and knocked on the door of this family who had said, you know, we don't really know Lucy, but but God's leading us to open our home up to her so she could come and teach piano and so it was Tom and Janet.
0: We're picking on Tom and Janet today. They're the and, and, and they the
2: minister to Lucy and her children. They were very, very young at the time. Mm-hmm. That that meant so much to Lucy and then the Clarks mm-hmm. opened up their home and Lucy taught kinder music over there. And so it, God just truly answered those prayers that Lucy prayed when she was 19, that if you invest in someone else and you're so busy that you don't you don't have too much time to think. Although she did call me when Cody went down with the team to Dominican to visit. She said, Mother, she said, you know, Cody and I ran on the beach today. And she said, Whoa, he's fast. And I went, Whoa.
0: <laughs> Okay, so I ran with Zach Clark on the beach, and what she did not see, and Zach did see, is I face-planted about five feet off the ground, tried to jump over this tree, and Zach
2: saw it. But she did say, and I thought, whoa, Lucy's saying this. She said, Mother, I I just prayed that I would guard my heart. And I went, what did you say?
0: (laughs) Thank you all for answering candidly. And we are going to now take a lunch break, so I'm going to have Max come up and give us a few announcements, and then we will see you after lunch.